And welcome everyone to the comic multiverse where the worlds of nerd meet. I'm Cape Joel and this is episode number 61 B. 61 take two for real this time and I'm not gonna fuck it up. If you, I'm sure you heard his voice but that's my co-host Matt talking. Yeah, somehow Joel managed to record only my voice last week, and we ended up with a one-man show. Yeah, yeah, it was a frickin', uh, I, I think it was a Windows update error, because they finally forced me to do the big Windows 10 update that I'd been putting off, and in doing so, it completely changed my presets, which means even though Matt and I did a whole show last week, even though we recorded it, only picked up Matt's mic and not me. <laughs> now, because I'm a nice guy and because I, you know, appreciate our patrons, I put that up and I was going to take it down out of sheer embarrassment, but I'm like, no, no, it's better now. It's like Garfield without Garfield. It's comic multiverse <laughs> without Joel. <laughs> now, now you've made me sound insane. <laughs> Matt just talking to the voices in his head for a long period of time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're hearing one side of a great conversation. <laughs> And, uh, hey, speaking of patrons, this was something I did do in the previous episode, and I want to do again. Uh, obviously, because it was the beginning of a brand new month, the month of July, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone who became a patron in June, just because, you know, I wanted to give that little extra love out there. So, you know, thank you, Alan, thank you, Rod, thank you, Justin, and thank you, Brandon. Yeah, you, you guys are putting the food on the table. Yeah, you're keeping the lights on here at the Comic Multiverse Studio. You're helping us out in a big way, and we appreciate it. And for anyone else who wants to become a patron, you can end up listening to this show and a bunch of other videos I have planned, like uh, Comic Spice First before anyone else. And you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. So that's uh, just throwing that out there to the universe. Yeah, awesome. Now, uh, of course, as you can probably tell by the thumbnail of this video, this will be our big uh, Spider-Man Homecoming spoiler cast, but not till the tail end of the show. If you haven't seen the movie yet, feel free. Uh, excuse me, feel free to stick around because we won't be spoiling anything right away. Then again, judging by the box office on this movie, I get the distinct feeling there's a good chance you've seen it already. Yeah, it's doing pretty well. It's. I think it's official today. It's the most earning, fastest earning solo Marvel movie. Yeah, wow. Which is hard to believe, but then it's really not hard to believe because it's, it's fucking Spider-Man. True, true. It, it's it's freaking Spider-Man. Did we really expect anything less? I know the screening I went to, super eclectic group of people, young, old, and everyone enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, same. My released here in Australia in the middle of our school holidays. Oh wow! So like the cinema I went to was just full, absolutely Damn. full. Damn. Yeah, it was it was a good time for sure. What uh, what trailers did you get attached to yours? I got to see uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, which comes out this week here that I'm probably gonna see. Yeah, yeah, I, I got to see that. I got to see Thor Ragnarok. Lucky. Um, what was the other one that uh? Uh, that big sci-fi movie that Luke Benson's making. Um, Luke Boston, Valerian, and the Thousand yeah. Elites. Ah, yes, yeah. c'est oui. That actually looks pretty good. It does look good, but at the same time, I'm like, what the fuck is this movie actually about? You're just showing me, like, hey, here's <laughs> here's some cool music and some cool images. And I'm like, yeah, but what's it actually about, though? Because Luke Besson movies usually go one of two ways. Either they're really awesome or they're really lame because it's something only Luke Besson cares about. 
Well, it's based on a French comic or something. Yes. So, which also yeah, worries I, me too. I'm like, oh, please don't tell me this is like some underground like French comic that Basson only cares about, and he got the rights for a <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> which I love too. They have the balls to say in the trailer from the best-selling, well-regarded comic that you've never heard of, because <laughs> it was only released in Europe. <laughs> so fuck you. Valerian and the Thousand Planets. But yeah, yeah, looks okay. I will probably see it. I, I mean, I have to see it now, because otherwise I won't know what the fuck it's about. <laughs> exactly. That, they gotcha. They, they tricked me good. I'm like, yeah, that looks kind of okay, but I don't know what the hell it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Something about planets? Is the boy named Valerian, or is the girl named Valerian? Or is the planet Valerian? I don't even know. <laughs> For fuck's sake, man. But yes, everyone, we actually do have some news to get through uh, this week uh, for that portion of the show. I'm actually glad to say Matt wasn't scraping the bottom of the barrel this week. There was actually some pretty good stuff to talk about. There, there was some pretty good stuff actually came out in the last couple of days. Indeed. I guess we'll start things off with some DC comic news here. Sean Murphy, a well-known comic book scribe, had been talking for a little bit about how he was involved in a special Batman project that would be coming out soon. And I remember a couple episodes, Batman, you and I were like, you know, for another Batman project, how are they going to fit this in between all the other Batman books they currently have? Yeah, yeah, he's been talking about this book for what seems like years it really does feel that way and we finally got our answer today it's going to be called batman white knight and it is going to be an out of continuity story basically an elseworld story which dc have been doing a pretty good job bringing back recently they have been they've been all their miniseries recently have basically been what elseworlds was yeah we're getting an Elseworlds story about a crazy alternate reality wherein Batman is an evil 1% bad guy and the Joker is a good upstart anarchist hero of the working man people. Yeah, and he's a politician. <laughs> wow. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder, Matt. I wonder what this could possibly be referencing. <laughs> I truly wonder. Oh, God. God. Well, well, Sean Murphy did say, like, if... If Joker was normalized and everything, he would be a politician. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. This reminds me. There's a, there's a great YouTube channel out there online. It's like a, it's a cooking channel, but like they cook stuff in like the old timey 1700s ways. Have you seen this? I've, I've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, the name is escaping me at a second. It's like something brothers and sons. It's a very weird channel name, but basically it's like half history channel, half cooking channel where they take stuff and they make things. And apparently for their 4th of July show, they did an old-timey British dessert called Orange Fool. <laughs> and everyone instantly jumped to the conclusion that this channel, which had never made any political statements ever, was making a political statement. And apparently people who are really into, like, Washington-era 1700s American history also really don't like it if it's even implied you're making fun of the president. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy that guy uploaded another video and again if you've seen the channel Matt he does the whole thing in like period clothes he's like a professional yeah. like uh what's the word uh yeah, he is he's, he's a um recreator uh, type guy. yeah 
Yeah. He's like one of those reenactors. He's like one of those guys who goes to Civil War reenactments and pioneer villages and everything. So so he uploads a video, and God bless his heart, clearly he's not used to his channel ever being involved in anything even somewhat controversial. But it's him in the woods, where most of his videos take place, wearing like a 1700s blouse and tri-corner hat and everything. <laughs> talking about saying like, oh, you know, the political climate on YouTube, it's really hard and everything. Thing, and it's really getting to me as he sits in the woods wearing this yeah. costume. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. I know you're not trying to make this hilarious, but it was one of my favorite unintentionally hilarious things. Like, it could have been a Tim and Eric sketch. It, it was it was very funny. It's like, man, and I really hate it when modern day politics affect my weird past-driven cooking show. It's, it's man... It's just funny. It's just weird. Go, <laughs> go check out that channel. There's just there's some actually pretty good shit in that channel. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, Batman White Knight sounds like an interesting pitch. It, it does. It does sound very interesting. I mean, I'll definitely give it a read. We got that. We got the Nightwing Evil New World Order book, and we have everything that's happening in, in Dark Universe now, or Dark Multiverse Metal, which apparently also is going to be involving evil Batman. They're really, they're really in love with turning the Bat Family evil, aren't they? But they are. I guess it's their time. That, you know, they're, they're getting sick of Superman turning evil. I guess so. so. We'll, give, we'll give Batman a go because he's always the good guy in those stories. So. I guess so. Who, who, who gets a turn next? Aquaman. We'll tell a bunch of stories if Aquaman was evil. Oh, no, wait. We had Flashpoint, so that was one. <laughs> uh, what if Flash was evil? Well, then I guess you would just have the reverse Flash, wouldn't you? Yeah. You can basically just do everything Barry can, but more evil. <laughs> it's a thought, though. So, yeah, I mean, that one looks pretty interesting. I'll definitely give that one a look. The uh, The art style looks quite nice that they put together for it. Yeah, Sean Murphy's art really is is an attribute to Batman. It's it's very very pretty. I'm sure it'll make some very nice thumbnails for both of us when we have to put those together. Definitely. Uh, now moving on from the world of DC Comics to the world of Marvel Comics, we're finally finally Matt getting a little bit more information on what Marvel Legacy is and what creative teams we're going to be seeing on the handful of few new books that are coming out. We we talked about this in the now lost episode, didn't we, Matt? We did. We talked about it in great length. Yeah, which unfortunately we lost a lot of that to time in the internet, but basically we shared more or less the same feelings of like we'll give this a chance, but wow, did you really drop the ball on announcing this? Yeah, I, it, they've announced it in such a weird time. It's like that weird time just before Comic-Con, but they need to announce it before Comic-Con for some reason. And the way they were doing it is they were just... But didn't they really release like all those like covers that were like homages to older covers? Yeah, all the throwback covers. Yeah, and then they just started releasing like the, the artists, then the, the writers in that weird order... Yeah, they, and it was it's very strange. It was weird, and most of the books where it's like, well, these are the books I'm reading right now. There's really not much different yeah. about it. How 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 did this warrant a complete and total relaunch if you're more or less just doing the same thing? And needless to say, Matt and I weren't exactly won over by it. But I'm happy to report now that we're actually starting to get solicitations for Legacy. Granted, they're spoon feeding it to us really weird, like three titles a day is what we're getting or something like that. Yeah, they're not not just 
putting it all out there. They're doing it over the course of like a week or two weeks. Something's very strange. Yeah, very strange. There was some cool looking stuff there, uh, like a new Luke Cage story that's going to see him go back to jail and have to fight crime behind bars. They gave a little bit more insight into this crossover story between like the uh, the champions and the Avengers, where it's like, mm-hmm. yes, they're fighting, but only because it's being masterminded by the High Evolutionary, who apparently wants to bring Counter-Earth to Earth and like smash them into each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little, a little like convergence, a little like uh, a little like all those uh, things like in yeah. Hickman's Avengers. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if at the end of this, if the writers are just like, you know what, no more fucking Counter Earth. Get rid of goddamn Counter Earth. It's a stupid <laughs> idea to have an Earth full of beast men that exist behind the moon. <laughs> But uh, the, mo- the most interesting thing, the thing that I actually wanted to talk about, is they finally announced the new creative team for the brand new Falcon book. They did, and it's quite an interesting one. Yes, Rodney Barnes, a name that maybe comic readers don't know. He's actually more known amongst TV writers. He's worked on a bunch of different HBO shows. He's worked on vinyl. This will be his first comic, and I gotta say, like, he did the interview circuit, and uh, he's actually been following a bunch of different comic book people on uh, Twitter, myself included, but I'm not gonna toot my own horn. That's just a thing that happened, you know. I just, just gonna bring <laughs> it up, you know, it's like it's no big deal. But yeah, apparently his new story arc is going to involve what you would hope it would involve. It's Sam trying to rectify returning to being Falcon after being Captain America and also, you know, his feelings for his best friend Steve after going evil and trying to take over the world. Yeah, and much like how he was sort of Captain America's sidekick, Falcon himself is getting a sidekick now. A new sidekick. He already had Falcon as Captain America, but I guess they couldn't have Falcon and Falcon. Yeah, yeah, so now he has the Patriot. Yes, who uh, apparently we've already seen him in Secret Empire. He had, like, a tie-in issue that explained his origin, but I dropped that one because it was from the uh, anthology storybooks. Although now yeah, I that Brave like, New World, I dropped that one as well. I feel now I need to go back and at least read issue two, because I at least want to see this new kid's origin. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, too, the first new villains that Falcon and Patriot are going to be fighting is Blackheart, of all people. Yes, Blackheart. A supernatural Ghost Rider villain. And when asked about it, uh, they said, well, isn't it kind of weird to have these, like, super spy-type characters fighting a paranormal villain? And he's like, yes, yes, it's very weird. They're going to be out of their element. That's why I did it. (laughs) That's the whole point of superheroes. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, all right. They fight weird shit. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I like that. I don't think I've ever seen Falcon fight anything magical before. I like that idea of being like, hey, here's some shit you haven't seen before. And plus, hey, Blackheart's just a fun design for a villain. He is. He is, yeah. You gotta fight the devil, Matt. Can you fight the devil and win? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Marvel's got like 20 devils, but Blackheart's one of them. So yeah, so color me interested for Falcon, and if any more news comes out of these uh, solicitations for Legacy, which I'm sure they will, we'll talk about them. Hey, uh, what do you think of the numbering thing? Because, like, a bunch of books are going back to Legacy numbering, but not every book? It feels like what... It feels like they're copying DC Rebirth with action comics and detective comics. Which, again, if you were going to take any book back to Legacy numbering, it had to be those, because they almost have a thousand issues. Exactly. For some of these other books, I really don't see the point in bringing back legacy numbering. Mm-hmm. Especially because Marvel has had the worst habit of having new run after new run, new number one after new number one. 
So it's like, okay, if I'm just getting into comics right now, I need to track down the last four new number ones, and then suddenly it goes back to issue 130? What? Yeah, it didn't really make much sense with them doing all of that. It doesn't seem very new reader friendly. No, no, it doesn't. It seems like a concession for old fans, which admittedly, that's pretty much a huge chunk of what DC Rebirth has all been about. But at least when it came to numbering, they just renumbered the two books that deserved it. Exactly, yeah. Oh, well, we'll see how it works out for that. I know it's going to really fuck up my uh, playlists on my own channel and be like, okay, and here's where it magically jumps from issue 20 to issue 160. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, whereas, like, DC Rebirth, you could say, like, okay, so, you know, the new 52 counts as the 52 issues that got, you know, Action Comics up mm -hmm. to 980, whatever. Yeah. How, how are they going to explain that with, like, oh, yeah, well, Invincible Iron Man was is at issue 12, but then it jumps to issue 500 and something, but this new number one counts as well, and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, very weird. For a lot of the books, they're keeping numbers arbitrarily. At least Spider-Man was always kind of keeping track, because, you know, you would have, like, the little number hidden in the art somewhere where it's like, well, it says issue 12, but in reality, it's actually issue dot 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 yeah. dot. Yeah. But yeah, so that's Falcon. I'm interested. That's Marvel Legacy. We'll tell you more about that as we get there. And uh, moving on to the world of crossovers, here's a funny one. So DC's been doing pretty good with crossovers recently, haven't they, Matt? They've crossed over with the Ninja Turtles. They've crossed over with the Power Rangers. Yeah, they, they've just had the um, the Looney Tunes stuff. That's right. They're going to be tr uh, crossing over with Conan soon. Well, get ready mm -hmm. because they're already hyping up the next big crossover. It's going to be uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy teaming up with Betty and Veronica of the Riverdale universe. Uh, okay. <laughs> sure, why not? Apparently those Archie comics are doing really good recently, so yeah, why not cross it over with the fourth pillar of DC Comics right now, Harley Quinn? Yeah, I'm not really sure who this book is for, but it's for someone, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they, they clearly think there's a big enough crossover between their audience that someone's going to check it out. Maybe maybe it's to get some Archie comic readers who don't read traditional superhero stuff to check out traditional superhero stuff and for more, like, cape and cowl type people to check out what's happening in the Riverdale universe. That's true, and they're probably, they're mostly guaranteed viewership as well because Harley Quinn. Oh, of course. I mean, there's collectors who will collect it just because she's in it, which is smart marketing, honestly. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really funny. The headline I read online when I was adding this news to the thing, it said Riverdale-Gotham crossover. And I'm like, oh, no, those terrible shows are crossing <laughs> over. God help us. Oh, no way. Okay, it's okay. It's just, it's just the comics. It's just the comics. <laughs> Although, fuck, maybe if it does good, they will. I mean, both show universes are so goddamn insane. I could see, like, Archie Andrews and the rest of the Riverdale kids taking, like, a fucking day trip to Gotham City. <laughs> <laughs> that that's like their big school trip and they run into like weirdo penguin and weirdo gordon and everyone else yeah, and just everyone's weird ooh, ooh, ooh. and bullock and jughead hang out because they're like really sloppy and love eating it's like i challenge you to a burger eating contest kids like i i take that bet <laughs> and then they just spend the whole episode just eating burgers <laughs> i like it i like it a lot where's my check DC Warner Brothers. <laughs> I'll take my check now, please. 
Uh, speaking of television, our next piece of news here, we got some cool new casting for Luke Cage Season 2. We're going to be getting both Bushmaster and Nightshade added to the show. Yeah, two uh, pretty big villainous people. Well, big for Luke Cage. I mean, yeah. as much as I yeah. love Luke Cage, I'm not telling tales out of school when I say he does <laughs> not have a lot of memorable villains. Yeah, his rogues gallery is amazing. Yeah, not they're, really. <laughs> they're, they're really shitty. Even when he teams up with Iron Fist and you add Iron Fist villains in there, they're still not great. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but Bushmaster at least has like a long history with Luke Cage. Well, actually, no, he doesn't. He has a longer history with Misty Knight. Actually, he's more of her like arch nemesis than anything else. Yep, that's true. And well, I imagine Misty will be in the show. So, oh, of course. So it'll be fun to see that. I wonder because like, uh, what is it? Willis Stryker, freaking Diamondback, had a really ugly costume that they still tried to make work on television. Bushmaster has a similarly ugly costume. I wonder if they're going to put him in it by the end. Mate, I, I imagine so. I imagine they would. They managed to do Diamondback, so yeah. He's got like a white and gold crop top and like one of those gambit masks. Yeah, I imagine they'd do something similar to that. <laughs> it's not a very good look. Never never did I think I would see myself as a person being like, no, 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 don't do the costume, though. I don't want to see it. <laughs> Friggin' just, just wear suits and jackets, man. That's, that's all I need, just suits and jackets, nothing more. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, there's Luke Cage casting for it. It should be interesting. I know I wasn't the hottest on Luke Cage as a show, although after seeing Iron Fist, I actually think Luke Cage is way better now. <laughs> so here's hoping they can bring it all together for uh, season two. And shit, we're going to be getting Defenders really soon, aren't we? Uh, in like a month or something. God damn. And just when I thought, it's like, oh, well, we're done all the superhero movies for the year. I guess we don't need any more Marvel superhero. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, they, we've got that. And then... You know, two months later, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, in November. I love it. Here's a big summer movie in November. Yeah, I get it in October. <laughs> ah, lucky bastard. God, you gotta love the Marvel Disney motto now where they're just like, look, it's summer when we say it's summer. <laughs> and summer lasts for as long as we say it lasts. <laughs> Used to be you had to have all these big summer movies like... Uh, like stacking on top of one another from July to <clears throat> August. Now they're just like whatever we want. Yeah, we'll release them in December. Yeah, yeah. We'll put a Star Wars out at Christmas time because we're crazy. <laughs> no one can stop us. Uh, speaking of more Marvel stuff here, it was announced too. And actually, man, I'm probably gonna have to look to you for information on this because I know you probably know more about this than me because you're actually reading the books. But uh, we have our first Legacy Era crossover announced. It's going to be the X-Men, and it's going to be Mojo Worldwide. Yeah, Mojo Worldwide. Mojo's coming back uh, to the X-Men books. He isn't back yet, mm. um, mainly because the X-Men team's dealing with stuff like New Wave Sentinels uh, and the New Marauders trying to find Jimmy Hudson at the moment, mm. uh, as well as the Weapon X dealing with the whole WMD thing. Right. Uh, but I think that is the next arc, I think, yeah. that's coming up after all these. I'm not sure. D does it say which books it's running through? Uh, yeah, blue and gold. 
I'll blow both of them. Okay, then yeah. So it probably will be the next next up because they're in the middle of an arc at the moment. Right. In fact, they do the thing. You know, even as jaded as I am about X Men and crossovers in general, I dig. They did the classic Jim Lee thing where it's like, hey, if you put the cover of Gold next to the cover of Blue, you actually get this huge, big, sprawling image of everybody. Yeah, yeah. I like covers like that. <laughs> it's fun. It's it. It takes me back. They don't do it as much as they used to. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's cool, Mojo coming back. Again, if, you know, we can isolate one thing from Legacy that is a net positive, there definitely seems to be a lot of heroes fighting villains and, like, villains you haven't seen in a bit and trying to get you hyped up for heroes fighting villains again. Yeah, yeah, they're actually bringing villains back and not having heroes fighting heroes. Which is weird that that's the big takeaway from Legacy they learned out of everything yelling, uh, everything everyone's been yelling at Marvel recently. They're like, okay, so they want heroes fighting villains, do they? <laughs> I guess we'll get back to this obvious thing. <laughs> and uh, speaking of X-Men, from comic news to movie news, Matt, Matt, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Matt, I don't think you're ready for this. You might need to sit down because this piece of news changes absolutely everything for the Fox X-Men movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know, right? So X-Men Dark Phoenix is coming out. It's going to be another sequel set 10 years in the future, written and directed by the guy who's never directed anything before in his life, Kreisberg. He's, he's going to be taking the helm on this one. Uh, we're getting friggin' Mystique back, even though the actress fell asleep halfway through the second one and didn't wake up, and she's basically <laughs> over the whole goddamn thing. We're gonna pay her way too much to come back to this property because we need her. But but here's the big thing, Matt. Here's the big thing that changes everything. Olivia Munn will also be coming back for X Men: Dark Phoenix. Oh, pr- prepare for the, prepare the Oscars. Oh, holy shit! I mean, dude, Psylocke, such a memorable character. <laughs> from Apocalypse, so integral to the plot of that movie, her and her five lines of dialogue. Yeah, you you know, I can't wait to see, like, her character progression again. Oh, I know. Uh, Like, from that other movie to this movie, like, like, so much could happen. (laughs) And also her range, too, as an actress, I think, is really really important. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I love X-Men Dark Phoenix. Like, this is the best shit they can come up with, where it's like, oh, oh, but Dazzler's going to be in the next movie. No, oh, we're bringing back Olivia Munn. And it's like, so, so nothing we like is what you're telling us. Nothing that will matter. (laughs) Well, you know, at least you gotta give X-Men Dark Phoenix credit for giving you about a dozen reasons before they even start filming the movie about why you shouldn't see the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, we learned absolutely nothing from the success of Logan and Deadpool, and we're just gonna keep making the same mistakes over and over again. (laughs) Also, I'm sure Quicksilver will be back in it too, and we'll have another artsy slow down fast run to pop song moment as well that won't be near as good as the time in the bottle scene yeah i'm fairly certain he's been he's been confirmed to, to appear in one scene oh of course he has <laughs> yeah con- con- uh, contractually obligated to show up in one scene yeah can't can't stick around it's gonna be one scene also maybe too in this 10 years time he actually did reconcile with his father instead of not reconciling with him for no reason at the end of the other movie nah nah they'll be in this movie and there'll be like that running joke he keeps looking at magneto really weirdly and magneto gets kind of creeped out because he thinks the kid wants to fuck him (laughs) and then they do nothing with it for the entirety of the movie (laughs) god damn but yeah so that's that's dark phoenix everybody 
<laughs> Yippee yay! I'm so excited. I just can't fight it. <laughs> but then it gets even weirder because, like, right around the same time this news dropped, Fox also came out and said they have set dates for six mystery Marvel releases that they're going to do. Oh, good. Well, that's the thing. Like, even they don't know what it is. They're just mystery movies. They 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 get the box out. They shake it up a little bit. And they pull out the name. Ah, oh, Deadpool three. <laughs> Lucky us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we were this close to making another Gambit movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> Is that one of the six mystery ones, this goddamn Gambit movie that's been in development since time in Memorial? Well, it is a mystery because no one knows what the fuck's going on with it. It's a real mystery. It's the definition of a mystery is what that one is. <laughs> you, got, you got to get the fucking cast of Law and Order in to find it. <laughs> the case of the missing movie <laughs> where did it go and more importantly who cares is the other question yeah but yeah let's let's try and like ballpark these movies so definitely one of the six has to be deadpool 3 you nailed that one on the head yep Man. one probably something wolverine related yeah w wolverine reboot wolverine regeneration wolverine let's do this shit again please but probably with a different actor yeah logan 2 older <laughs> logan 2 back from the dead Ooh, logan 2 logan's in hell okay seriously now look if you want to save the franchise that's what you do you adapt wolverine in hell <laughs> <laughs> And you make it this weird paranormal thriller. Because let's face it, when Wolverine died, he wasn't going to heaven. <laughs> no, no. Let's see a whole movie where this recast Wolverine actor is just beating on Satan for two hours. <laughs> and then at the end, he like literally, he's like Kratos, he gets his claws out and he literally crawls his way out of hell. <laughs> and then there you go, then you got a new actor. So yeah, so Deadpool 3 obviously... Wolverine 2, Wolverine-ier, uh, Wolverine 2, contra uh, contractually obligated. Probably X-Force. Yeah, 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 they'll probably... The the thing I'm most frightened about is they'll, they'll say, okay, everyone loved Laura. We'll do, we'll do an X-Force movie, we'll put her in it, but we'll recast the actor so oh. we can have someone older and put Deadpool in it because, you know, memes. That's and... It. And make a billion dollars yeah and cable and probably whatever other losers they get to round out the uh x-force team yeah and then they'll probably have another x-men film right which probably. will be which will be set probably in the early 2000s oh jesus christ which which they'll make the joke about that one is that the x-men need to help out on the production of the first singer x-men movie <laughs> That's what it is. It'll be X-Men 7 Home Movies Edition, where they're just filming a movie about their life. Yeah, and then the, they... Weren't they also going to be trying to do something with Fantastic Four again, like make a kid-friendly one or something? Or one where they are little kids. They were all very vague about it. They're just like, hey, this is what we threw at the wall, and this is what we came up with. Yeah. Which I love, too. It's like, so you have the rights to the Fantastic Four... You failed every time you tried it, so now you're trying to make the Fantastic Four into Power Pack. Yeah, but basically, yeah. Okay, so you so you have like one of the hallmarks of Marvel superhero comics, and you're retrofitting it into an idea for like a super niche D-list team. <laughs> God damn it, Fox! Why you got to so Fox? And also maybe a sequel to New Mutants or whatever. 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe at some point, if if that ever happens. I mean, they've cast a bunch of people for New Mutants. Yeah, yeah, but it might not do very well. <laughs> no, and I mean, we don't even know what what timeline does New Mutants take place in. Oh, a new one. Another <laughs> never, one. never been done before. <laughs> Everyone loved the alternate timeline from Logan, so we just keep creating alternate timelines now. <laughs> That's how we'll create a shared universe, by not having a shared universe at all. <laughs> we'll have a shared universe where all of our properties are in another universe. So basically, going back to making movies how they used to be made before everyone tried to have a shared universe franchise. <laughs> It'll be new and exciting. And by new and exciting, we mean like 10 years old. But we're Fox, that's what we do. <laughs> now, uh, from all that live-action movie talk, our final story actually involves animation. A rumor started circulating today, in fact, Sunday night as we record this, that the next uh, DC animated movie after they do that Harley Quinn Batman movie, apparently they might be doing Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah, it makes sense. It's Batman story which always do well yeah well it's the only thing they actually do nowadays so yeah for real uh i'm excited about it because i really loved the look and overall feel of gotham mm -hmm. by gaslight i just hope to fuck if they're doing it make it an actual adaptation not like the last couple lazy adaptations where they took the name and basically nothing else yeah the name and like the the designs and just threw it in something else yeah and just like here's another script we had sitting around it, it fills me with a little bit of hope because this is, at least is not like a new 52 story that they're doing this is like an older story that they might want to do a better adaptation of Mm-hmm. and plus i mean you know it's it's steampunk and it's batman those are like two of my favorite things altogether. it's like the peanut butter and jelly of comics yeah yeah the, the, pro the problem i have with it is that They've tried to do this, like, newer stuff with, like, older comics like The Killing Joke. Mm -hmm. and, and we all know how that turned out. So we could be looking at the same situation here. Well, you know, as long as Batman doesn't fuck one of his steampunk sidekicks in this, I think, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> I think we'll be fine. Oh, no, written by Brian Azzarello. What? <laughs> God damn. I would love that if Brian Azarella just kept coming back and writing these animated movies and kept putting in scenes where Bruce has sex with Barbara just to piss people off. <laughs> Won't somebody please stop him? Okay, everyone, so I'm finally doing a version of Kingdom Come like you've asked for, but I'm also going to put this scene in here. No! <laughs> this is the crutch on which the whole Kingdom Come is based on. <laughs> this moment right here. Okay, so you know what? You asked for it. You asked for it. You really wanted a Sinestro Core War story? Well, we're finally adapting that into a movie, but Batman will be a main character, and, and he'll also fuck his sidekick in it, too. <laughs> Damn it, Brian Ezra, why are you doing this to us? Because that's my power. It's what I can do. It, it's it's payback for like all, all the time he had to write Wonder Woman and they changed everything he wrote. Yeah, which I mean, I was not a fan of anyway, but I mean, hey, can't, can't deny the man his revenge, can I? <laughs> I mean, I can, but I won't. <laughs> oh, God. Did, did his... Uh, Frank Miller Batman story he was writing did that ever fucking end I, I I don't know I think it might have one left every now and then I, I like when I'm looking through what I'm going to be reading within the next week I, I like see it and like that's still going really 
Yeah, I know, right? Well, apparently it's going to have to end soon because Frank Miller's got yet another project. I, I, I didn't even write this in the thing, but he's got another project coming down the pipeline. He's going back to his 300 roots, and he's going to be doing an origin story for Xerxes now. Oh, for fuck's sake. Which I know exactly why he's doing this. If Frank Miller is writing about Xerxes and writing in the 300 universe, that means some brown person offended him recently, and now he wants to go back and do it. But, I mean, literally, that's what it is. Like, I'm going to write the ancient Persians who are proto-Iranians as a bunch of evil alien monsters with razor teeth and, and friggin' crippled sex harems. <laughs> And I'm going to write the Spartans, who are a bunch of assholes historically, as these great heroes of American freedom, even though technically it was the Athenians who mastered all that shit, who Alexander the Great would end up stealing their shit and the Persian shit, and that would lead to Western society, but whatever, it's Frank Miller. <laughs> and I mean, it's a prequel, and everyone loves prequels. I hope we get a story about every weird piercing ring he gets on himself. Well, you see, that's every issue is going to be based on that. <laughs> Just every every new piercing. Also, too, it's like half Xerxes, but it's also like half Alexander the Great, too. So he's doing like a prequel story about Xerxes, but also talking about the future and Alexander, who would basically end up steamrolling everything from the original 300 movies anyway. Mm-hmm. And then Alexander himself would end up getting steamrolled by the Roman Empire, who stole a bunch of his shit, but, you know, whatever. I, I can't wait to get the Frank Miller take on these events. <laughs> and then Alexander the Great met with Jesus, and Jesus gave him religion. Yeah, and they, they went and killed ISIS. Yeah, really. And then, and then Alexander fought in the Crusades for America, and he just planted the flag <laughs> there in the Holy Land. It's like, Frank, I'm, I'm pretty sure none of these things actually happen. Fuck you, it's my history. <laughs> this is what I believe. <laughs> and then Alexander also blows up the internet so people can't look at their smartphones anymore because apparently that really offends Frank Miller as well. Yeah. I rem that was when I stopped reading that new like Dark Knight 3 when Batman literally like drives a bat jet into a satellite to destroy all the internet because apparently you can destroy all the internet if you just blow up one satellite. I think that was about the time where I started, I think maybe the issue after that, like I read that issue, I'm like, this is ridiculous, what's going to happen next? <laughs> yeah, and Frank Miller's like, that'll make people care, that'll make people take notice about all these goddamn evil Kryptonians who are trying to take over the world, who, let's keep in mind too, his Kryptonians were also very vaguely Middle Eastern as well. <laughs> Yeah, 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 they're, they're like garbed, what they were wearing, everything. Yeah. They were basically wearing sheiks, the one evil guy had like several wives and they were all talking about like, you know, uh, what is it, like, you know, fucking what's the word, uh, basically, yeah, they, they were they were being stand-ins, they were being stand-ins for what was ticking off Frank Miller at that particular moment. Yeah. Which is weird because in the same story, Frank Miller's like, and I take a hard stand against, you know, police corruption, but oh, not these brown people though. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's like, you, you think back on it, it's like, yeah, I guess Frank Miller never really liked the police much to his authority, but he's also become even more authoritarian as time goes on. Man, he's complicated, Frank Miller. <laughs> and from that note about Crazy Uncle Frank and crazy books that I'm sure you can expect in the future, we can talk about something truly awesome. Am I right, Matt? We can. 
we can begin our amazing Spider-Man Homecoming spoiler cast. And again, if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want it spoiled, be sure to save this one and come back to it later because we will be talking about every aspect of the movie now to the end of the show. Yep, and it's going to be spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. Oh, 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 yes. Yes, 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 it is. I think perhaps, I, I mean, just to start at the beginning, one of the things I actually found most positive about this movie, and something I hope they carry into the future Marvel movies, they got the village, uh, they got the villain's origin out of the way in the first five minutes. I know, it was very refreshing. We started with the villain and actually found out a lot about his backstory. Yeah, this is, this is a radically reimagined version of the Vulture, and yet not all that different from what made him who he was in the comics. He's still mad because he feels like he's not getting a fair shake at life, which is basically everything Adrian Toomes was mad about in the comics. Yeah, and they fitted in with the MCU quite flawlessly. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like the head of a bunch of blue-collar pickers, essentially, who start dealing in black market alien technology when damage control of all people took my gerb, they took our gerbs. Yeah, and it, it indirectly makes him kind, kind of a villain to Iron Man, but he's so small and so, like, nothing that like iron man and the avengers don't really care they literally cannot be bothered i mean this spider-man movie and this spider-man in general has way more in common with the netflix like street level heroes than he does the actual avengers yeah yeah and it makes sense because spider-man is street level he is the friendly neighborhood spider-man and they stress the neighborhood angle more than ever before in this movie Oh, yeah. This movie, above all the other ones, we get to see him do, like, street-level stuff, like stopping some guy from stealing a bike. Yeah. Helping old ladies and getting churros from them. Yeah, I love that so much. I shouldn't have mentioned the churro part. Why did I mention the (laughs) churro part? (laughs) Stan Lee gets probably his best, one of my favorite cameos in that moment. Hey, this is a working neighborhood. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) always with the loud noises and everything he he gets a sandwich at a bodega i've never been to a bodega because we don't really have them here in canada next time in october when i go for uh new york comic-con i should really get a sandwich at a bodega yeah see what it's like yeah see what it's like apparently they're quite good but you know not not that bodega because that bodega got blown up yeah, that one got blown up by people robbing a bank. <laughs> Dressed as Avengers, which Spider-Man is sure to note. Oh, hey, I finally met uh, Hulk and Thor. Yeah, I, I like that. I thought that was good. <laughs> N- nice touch, too. I like they really tie this in with Civil War because we get to see Peter Parker essentially making a vlog of his time with Captain America. I, I like that. Like how the That's kind of like how the movie opens up. Yeah. Like uh, after the, uh, the Vulture's origins and everything. Yeah, we get to see sort of all from his point of view. It's a really smart idea that grounds the movie, but also lets you know, yeah, this is part of everything you've seen before. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's really done really well, and I, I like that they did it in the way that it's it was like filmed by the actor and everything oh, and yeah. all that sort of stuff, and yeah. It uh, it was nice too, you know, this idea where it's like Spider Man got called up to the big leagues way too fast. He got a taste for superheroing, and now he desperately wants to do more. Even though the Avengers are like, yeah, maybe not. You're maybe a little young. Yeah, so much so that he's like waiting for what was it like two three months for like mm-hmm. happy to call him up for the next mission he's he's just waiting he's waiting he's waiting he's like that guy desperately waiting on a call from the girl he went on a date with but i thought we had a good time though 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is he gonna call? Did, did what we do in Germany mean nothing to you when I grabbed that shield and I fought your battle for you? Uh, Tony, you know, I'm glad to say didn't hijack the movie like a lot of people were afraid of, and yet he actually does kind of have his own little mini arc. Yeah, um, well, like, yeah, as you're saying, like, a lot of people thought he was going to hijack the movie, but basically what we've seen in the trailers and everything is his role in the movie. That's literally it. More or less. But, yeah, he kind of had the arc because he was kind of, like, at the end of Civil War, he was kind of friendless. You know, he didn't really have any people. Yeah, and and this one it's sort of him sort of building that back up with Peter. Yeah, he he needs a project is what he needs, and he needs yeah, to make another yeah. friend. Even though he kind of has like a fatherly mentor relationship to him, and that reflects his own relationship with his father, and it's it's really well done. Yeah, and he's trying to make Peter not do the same mistakes he did. Most definitely. It's uh, yeah. it's is really well put together in that regard. Uh, it's most like you know how all these Marvel movies they're superhero movies, but they have a genre all to themselves. Like you know the Captain America mm-hmm. movies are spy thrillers, and you know the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are all like you know space operas. This is like a John Hughes style teen comedy coming of age movie, which is perfect for Spider Man. It really is. This is so John Hughes. They actually have Ferris Bueller's Day Off in the film. They fucking put Ferris Bueller's Day Off in the movie as Peter does basically the same thing. And what a hilarious, well-put-together scene that is where Spider-Man tries to swing around the suburbs, but he can't because there's not enough tall buildings. It it showcases why he's based in New York because of all the buildings and everything, whereas if he was based, you know, in, you know, Washington, D.C., he's got to, you know, run across golf courses and set off the sprinklers and whatnot it it really is a perfect way to make him a creature of new york and being like yeah spider-man doesn't work anywhere else in the world unless he's in another huge metropolitan city yeah yeah his skill set his whole thing of getting around is predicated on tall buildings Mm mm-hmm yep uh you, you gotta love his little sidekick buddy there gank i mean ned (laughs) <laughs> he's totally just ultimate gank but they made him ned yeah and he loves lego he loves legos he's a big nerd he's a spider-man fanboy he rocks that hat yeah he becomes oracle i mean the man in the chair <laughs> which which is a beautiful way to break down the trope it's like yeah i want to be your guy you know i want to be what sidekick no not really sidekick i want to be you know the guy in the chair who tells you things over a headpiece yeah, behind the screens. <laughs> which which is so, you know, like, beautifully achievable for a nerd. It's like, yeah, that's what I would want to be, too, because I could actually pull that off. Yeah, and it sounds awesome. It does sound awesome, does it? And because computers are so advanced nowadays, it's just like, oh, you, you don't even need to be good at computers to get up, like, Google Maps or to search the make and models of cars. <laughs> you really don't need much is the amazing thing. Like, he pulls it off quite well. Yeah, and if you get caught, you just say you're looking at porn. Oh my god, that's such a beautiful thing. That's like, there's a dance on. What are you doing? Um, um, porn. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know that lady ain't asking any follow-up questions after that. <laughs> that is an A-bomb of an answer. Once you drop that shit, it's mutually just assured destruction. <laughs> it's it's funny too making him Ned because you know obviously Ned Leeds was a guy that Peter would meet later on in life when he worked at the paper and then you know in like Spectacular Spider-Man the cartoon there was Ned Lee who was an Asian guy who worked there so they basically fused all those characters together with Gank and more or less created a new character 
Yeah, and it worked. It does. They they do that with a lot of Spider-Man's high school friends. Obviously, we get a Flash Thompson in this, who is Indian, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah, and a spoiled brat, like it, most bullies would be these days. That, that's really smart, where it's like, you know, the whole macho meathead, like, football player bully thing is kind of an ana- in an anachronism now. So, yeah, making him a shitty, spoiled, rich kid who just so happens to be in all the same clubs as Peter is a nice touch. Mm, yeah, all the same clubs, but isn't as smart. Yeah, you also buy the idea, too, where it's like, you know, he gives Peter a tough time, but I bet he gets bullied himself, is the funny thing, by <laughs> other people. This bully probably has bullies. <laughs> so it's actually, like, kind of kind of funny how they put that, that together. Uh, we see Betty Brant for a second on, like, those really, like, corny school news monitors thing. Yeah, I liked that. Which, that's a very modern high school thing. Like, one of, one of my big complaints about the Amazing Spider-Man cycle is that it was clearly an adult who hadn't been to high school in 20 years trying to write what high school now is like and missing the point completely. This movie got high school pretty freaking good. It, it, it really did, and it probably helps because John Watts is a young director. Yeah, he's not that old at all. Like, I think he's in his, like mid-30s or something so he would have gone to school around the time where all that sort of stuff was sort of coming in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we get spider-man's original crush liz allen so hey there you go keeping things nice and continuity focused it's like yeah technically liz was the first crush well technically she's not liz allen she's liz tombs liz too well well no well doesn't don't they say her name is allen i'm pretty sure they say liz allen at some point it's just a weird thing that she doesn't have her dad's last name i thought about that well, yeah, it may, maybe like when he get, got captured at the end, it, her mum took her, 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 to get away from like the press and everything, took her own maiden name back or something. Or, which I don't know. Possibly, which, you know, that, that was actually a really well put together twist that it was. was her dad. Like, I saw it that, was. I'm like, oh, you got me, movie. It was, and, and the scenes after that, the scenes in the car Beautiful. were absolutely amazing. Like, Vulture is a really well-put-together villain because they put, like, all that time and effort into him. And it's fitting, too, for Liz, because Liz actually does have quite a few supervillains in her family anyway. Her stepbrother is Molten Man, and she'll go on to marry Harry Osborn. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I This is fine. This is fine by me. I fully appreciate this twist. Yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it worked. It worked. Another nice touch, too. This is a movie that's not about saving the world. It's about stopping a robbery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just boiled down to stopping a couple of thugs from robbing a place. Which is beautifully Spider-Man. And I'm like, thank you, MCU. You don't need to save the world or the galaxy every time. Yeah, no goddamn weird zombie blue light thingies. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this this movie had no blue lights shooting up in the sky. It very much played against type. Yeah. Another way it played against type too, and another way I think it empowered Spider-Man as a character. They set him up as being a very serious no-kill Avenger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They made like a point like when he unlocked his suit, the suit Karen wanted to um kill mode, uh, kill mode. Yeah, k- kill mode. He's like, no, no, not kill mode. Anything but that. And yet it makes perfect sense because in the Marvel Universe, Spider-Man is a bit of an outsider on that. He's not a soldier. He's not an assassin. He's not a rage monster. He's just a regular dude. So, of course, he wouldn't want to murder people. 
Yeah, it's very, very Champions-esque. Very, very much so. I dug the hell out of it for that. I think it makes him that much more special in a world where, you know, they're kind of, you know, like, uh, live and let live when it comes to killing uh, characters because, you know, Avengers are like, ah, we don't really have no kill rules. Like, we'll try and not do it, but... Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, shit happens. You know, we're, we're not psychotic about it or nothing, but it happens. Yeah. Uh, what else did this movie have going on? Ooh, amazing soundtrack. Yeah, it had this and like Guardians have had some really good good songs involved in them. I, I think after Guardians did so good, every other Marvel movie's like, well, shit, we gotta up our game now. Yeah, this one this one had what this one had the Ramones, Rolling Stones. The first couple of minutes, Rolling Stones, can't you hear me knocking? And I'm like, I never thought I would hear Rolling Stones in a Spider-Man movie. Good job, guys. <laughs> Ramones is fitting too because the Ramones did a version of the classic 60s Spider-Man theme song well there you go a theme song that they turn into a big budget orchestral piece in this yeah to go over the Marvel logo which is really cool it's such a good idea to take the song everyone knows and turn that into like part of the movie it's such a good idea it's like how come no other superhero movie has tried this yet yeah it, yeah it, it it boggles the mind why no one's decided let's put this in here the only other theme song that's probably as well known as the spider-man spider-man friendly neighborhood spider-man would be you know the batman one na 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 but could you imagine that in the next like ben affleck movie a dark rain slick street and then you hear like a guitar riff no 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 batman and then you'd be like nah this is this is way too fun actually this this doesn't match any of this <laughs> this is a bad fit. You actually can't get away well, with this. Well, you see, you see, they they could just do like like a a more modern version of like the animated series one. Oh well, that's a perfect theme, which itself is kind of riffing on the '89 Batman yeah, theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, DC, hey, DC Warner Brothers, if you do that, you you get all the high fives. If you do that, people <laughs> people like music. They know. Also, another reason the songs in this movie knocked my socks off, at the frickin' dance scene, they were playing Space Age Love Song by Flock of Seagulls, and I'm like, that DJ's fucking awesome. Who who DJ'd this dance? Me? I think I'm the only one who would play that song. It, it was even better because it was an 80s-themed mm. homecoming, which, yep. which fits the movie so well. Because as well. it's a John Hughes movie, that's what it is. Yeah. It's a freaking John Hughes movie wrapped up in a freaking Spider-Man uh, wrapping paper. Uh, what else did we have going on? There's just so much cool shit to talk about here. Uh, oh, we were talking about the name thing, how they kind of trick you with the Liz Allen Vulture reveal. They kind of trick you with MJ, too, but the directors come out and said, hey, that's AMJ, but not the MJ. Yeah, I don't know why everyone was going like off their head like oh why is she mary jane like she's not going to magically in the next movie suddenly be oh don't call me michelle my name's mary jane yeah i was gonna say i'm pretty sure you know if her name was mary jane watson she would say it's mary jane watson not hey i'm michelle i am a mj at this point in time not the mj yeah and i think even kevin feige said like they did that just to sort of say like hey MJ is being thought about. Yeah, it was it was a homage pay, is what it was. Also, in that scene as well, just before that, we see a tiger running by the screen. Oh shit! Because <laughs> I thought it was really funny. As in, face it, you hit the. Yep. Yeah. 
Oh man, how great were uh, Captain America's little educational films too throughout the movie? <laughs> and Hannibal Buress calling him a war criminal. <laughs> I don't know, he a war criminal or something now, and I'm like, man, Hannibal Buress, you are more correct than you know, actually. Uh, I I'd, I'd love if they actually like did them as proper and actually released them as like DVD extras or something. Oh, I'd watch the shit out of it. It's even funnier because he's clearly wearing his Avengers 1 era costume, which means he got thought out, saved the world with the Avengers, and then like the president probably came to him and said, well, you know, crap, we we need your help facing an evil that the kids, you know, gotta deal with today. Well, what's that, Mr. President? Is it is it AIM? Is it the Serpent Society? No, the kids are too fucking fat these days, Cap. You need to inspire them. <laughs> yeah, they face the... The grueling task of puberty. <laughs> Look, Steve, I, I don't know if you've seen, like, snack cakes in this day and age, in the year 2000, whatever. Friggin' junk food has never tasted better, and the kids love it, and they hate exercise. We need your help. <laughs> we need you to teach them, you know, self-control and patience. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, being like, you know, a true American hero, it's like, I'll do that, Mr. President. Film me in front of these green screens. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's just like yeah because again if you went to school in a superhero universe that's what it would be exactly it's like a tour of the of the mcu as like a normal person would see it through the everyman that is peter parker they do nail the everyman aspect of him which i think is what spider-man has been missing a lot oh yeah this movie is more of a peter parker movie than it is a spider-man movie which is nice i like to ultimately the theme of this movie is in many ways, like, uh, was a complete rebuttal of both the Raimi movies and the Web movies, and that is that the ultimate message is don't grow up too fast. Yeah, whereas those movies, like, at the end of, like, the first ones, he's, you know, graduating college. Yeah, they kept rushing to get him out of school. This this film franchise and the moral of the story is literally don't try and grow up too fast, you know, savor the journey that is life in the here and now. Because mm -hmm, growing up and being an adult sucks. It kind of does. And also, you'll get there eventually, is the thing. You know, we, we all get there eventually in our own speed. And I'm like, wow, that's a really nice message, actually, to tell the kids. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And to be happy in your position in life, where it's like, okay, Peter, you can be an Avenger now. I made you this iron spider suit and everything. You can hang out. And he's like, no, nah, Queens really needs me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, also moving here to Avengers Mansion would mean moving away from my aunt, and it would mean you know moving away from all my friends who I just had this really great adventure with. I'm I'm not ready for this. Yeah, th that was a really cool moment. It was it was cool because it was basically opposite the end of the first Iron Man, yes. where he had the big press conference and revealed himself as Iron Man. Whereas this one, there was the big press conference, but. He didn't reveal himself. Yep, I, he, he decides to be one of the only heroes in this universe that actually has a secret identity. Yeah. Him and Daredevil are like the only two. Him and Daredevil need to hang out and be like, hey man, how's that secret identity treat? Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Although, I imagine in this universe too, Spider-Man's like, mm, uh, Hell's Kitchen, That's, uh, that seems a little violent. I'll just, I'll just stay here in Queens, thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing too, like, he really is like a kid of New York to where when he gets to go to Germany and D.C., he's like, you know, yeah, I've never been out of the country. I've never been on a plane before. <laughs> I've never been on a day trip. This is, this is awesome. I'm getting to see the world. And I'm like, yeah, you should because you're 15. <laughs> Uh, some great uh, cameos, too, from, like, other Spider-Man villains. Basically, everyone in the Vulture's crew is a reference to somebody. We have the Tinkerer. 
Yeah, the tinkerer who makes all the uh, the weapons and the armors and stuff for Vulture and his men. And who was not arrested at the end of this movie, so he can continue to arm villains. Pretty much all of them, uh, like, survived in some way, except for um, that one shocker. <laughs> yeah, the, the one shocker who, oh god, they uh, they said his name. The black guy was Herman, uh, Herman Schultz, the one that you know, but this guy was actually someone different. But he, oh, he was Montana, is what he was in the credits. Oh, okay. So he's actually a member of the Enforcers, and yet another reference to the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, because Montana became the shocker there and that. Mm-hmm. Because Greg Wiseman was like, well, fucking Herman Schultz is boring as shit, so let's get someone else there in the costume. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we got a shocker, we got a tinker, we got the Scorpion. Yep. Yep, ag- Mac Gargan. Who, again, was just straight-up ultimate Scorpion, right down to the tattoos and being a Latino gangster. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm like, yeah, all right, sure, why not go for it? <laughs> yeah, well, we got Aaron Davis. As the Prowler, who I like, they frame him as, like, the only criminal with a heart of gold, who they keep trying to sell him, like, murderous alien weapons. He's like, dude, I just want shit to rob people, come on. Yeah, and he mentions his nephew. He mentions his nephew, which you figure if he's this old now, you figure Miles has got to be pretty young, but they're saying, hey, in the future, if we want to do this... Yeah, well, we've got an avenue there. Yeah, or even in the animated movies, if we say this shit's connected, it might be. Mm-hmm. That maybe it's just the same universe, just like 20 years in the future. Mm-hmm. We could totally go that way. Man, Donald Glover's hilarious in this, too. He's like, hey, man, so leave me like this. I got ice cream in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, you're a bad guy, though. This is your punishment. Bye. <laughs> I like that interrogation scene. I like the suit, how it like makes him have like the pale Batman voice. Oh, yeah, or like the arrow voice. It's like, that's, that's not making you intimidating, man. That's making you sound hilarious. <laughs> Why did you think that was a good idea and that it's actually called interrogation mode in the suit? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just a lot of cool shit going on. What's some other stuff I liked about this? Uh... I, I liked I liked um, Happy's role in the film. Oh, yeah, he has a very large role in this movie, which is fitting because in many ways this movie is like a big like love letter to Iron Man 1 and how far they've come that it's fitting that they're ushering Spider-Man into the universe, Tony Stark and the guy who literally directed Iron Man 1. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's really good as well to see him coming back because there, there were rumors that like him and Marvel didn't really have a good split or anything. Mm-hmm. So him him to co- him coming back for like movies and everything uh, is is really good, and it, it's like he's never dropped a beat. Yeah, sends a really nice message, and he's also part of the finale too, where Tony Stark's like, "Well, oh shit, I need to show something to the cameras." Uh, hey, Pepper, you want to marry me? Uh, yeah, I've had yeah. this ring since two thousand eight, the year Iron Man one came out. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I guess we're going into Infinity War with a married Iron Man. Yeah, I hope they explain that because it's like, you know, they got together at Iron, in Iron Man 3, but then he didn't keep his promise of not being Iron Man and they broke up in Civil War, but now they're back together and married in this one. I, I hope they go a little deeper into that. It feels like we missed a whole movie in between. Mm-hmm. But Mm -hmm. then again, you figure their relationship is much like in the comics, and that is they break up, get back together, break up, get back together. Yeah. They'll always come back together, even if they're mad at each other for a couple years. Yep. But yeah, that uh, that was fun stuff. Uh, Yeah, again, you know, to bring it back to the villain there for a second, Vulture, 
you gotta love that, as I mentioned before, his whole motivation is, they took our gerbs, and yet he's actually sympathetic, and him giving his whole speech about how getting stepped on by the little guy and everything didn't make me want to roll my eyes out of my head in 2017. Yeah, it, it, it made sense for him. It, did he, make, it, didn't, it didn't come out of nowhere. It did make sense for him, and it also enforces this idea where it's like, oh, you're a vulture literally and figuratively, aren't you? Because you live off the scraps left behind yeah. by these superhero battles and everything. And yet you look at his house and it's really fancy and you look at his car and it's nice and everything. It's like, oh, you may have started out for this one reason, but now you really are as bad as everyone else. And the weapons you have are affecting this area and people in your own, uh, basically in the same boat as you. That's why they need a hero like Spider-Man, an underdog out of the costume to defend the other underdogs of the world from people like Vulture. Yeah, and and it even comes back to like what he, like the job he was going to do. He keeps going, oh, just just one more, just one more, mm-hmm. just one more, mm-hmm. and until he gets to this big one, which is them moving all the the weapons over to the new stuff thing. Uh, on that note, we we know that um the Avengers Tower gets sold, yes. and that there is the perfect way to bring in Norman Osborn. That's a perfect way to you do just that. say like Osborn like Industries or whatever um bought the space, the building, bought the building. That's that's a perfect way, or God help us if they got the rights to Fantastic Four back. Oh, Reed Richards moved in. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to happen, though, but it would be too perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be really nice. But, uh, yeah, I-, I wonder, you know, maybe we won't see Harry or Norman for a bit because, again, Spider-Man's going to stay in high school and he doesn't meet uh, Gwen or Harry mm-hmm. until college, so their future yeah, I, I hope these movies. That, that they... Yeah, I hope that they don't see them very... And they, they seem to be going in that way. They seem to be taking things a bit slow. Maybe That's next movie, maybe at the end of the next movie, it will be like his senior year or something. Right. And then, hey, if you... Then for the third one, you can do like a crazy college-age Spider-Man. Oh, what am I doing? <laughs> College is weird. Living away from home, meeting all these new people. What's what's with this goblin guy wanting to kill me? What's What's his damage? <laughs> Oh, uh, I guess we haven't talked about Aunt May yet. We should talk about Marissa Tomei as Aunt May and her ongoing bit of her being much hotter than everyone thinks she would be. Uh, it, it's great. I, I love her. And I, I like that she's also dressed like an 80s mom, like the mom yes. jeans and everything. Oh, yes. I mean, the thing, too, about her is that she's basically, like, you know, again, taking more inspiration from the Ultimate Universe. She is Ultimate Aunt May. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's an older woman, but, you know, she's out there. She's having a good time and everything. She even she even helps Peter out with dating stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. sweet. They have that whole montage of getting ready for the dance. And I'm like, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. It's, she's being the surrogate mother. She's being the surrogate mother. I like it. But then I like they neither of them can tie a tie. So it's like, to YouTube. <laughs> that's okay, Peter. I also don't know how to tie a tie. I would also need YouTube to help me out. <laughs> as my dad to help me tie a tie hilariously you know he's worked in the trades all of his life never ever needed to uh tie a tie in his life and even he's like okay i'll help you but to youtube first <laughs> so yeah that was uh that was good stuff uh anything else to say about spider-man i mean i guess we got some post-credit scenes where they seek to imply that scorpion will be the villain in the next movie and maybe even the sinister six i don't know they're building up to some shit yeah, maybe the one thing I did like about that is like obviously at the end of the movie, um, Peter saves the villain. Yes, and and because of because of that, Vulture kind of respects him and won't give up his secret yeah. identity. 
shit, they almost imply where it's like, well, fuck, can they, like, redeem Vulture down the line? Is that something they might actually try and do? Because if it means we get more Michael Keaton, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't kill them off either. That's really nice. I like, not only did they not kill them off, but they introduced a ton that could still be running around. Yep. I mean, I could totally see Matt Gargan being like, oh, hey, here's, like, a big, crazy robot scorpion tail that you can use in a costume to go after Spider-Man. Oh, that'd be really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he's just mad at him for sending him to jail and everything, and Peter's like, oh, crap, you know, that guy was just, like, a like my first villain was, like, a thief with, a with like, a code and a heart of gold and everything and didn't want to try and hurt anyone. This is an actual psychotic bad guy who's after me because he hates me. Yeah, and that's as simple as you make it. He's after him because he hates him. Yeah, he has no rhyme or reason. Like, Spider-Man could even try and, like, relate to him. It's like, you know, what do you want? What are you after? I want to kill you. That's what I want. <laughs> I'm a bad person. I'm just really bad. <laughs> and and then, you know, you could have, like, the cops take the tail back and everything. It's like, oh, you know, we need a scientist to look at this tail. Look at this advanced hydraulics technology. Who do we know in this field? Oh, I know a guy. Uh, Dr. Octavius is his name. They, there you go, Marvel. There you, there you go. go. We wrote it. We wrote your sequel stinger for you there. Octopus sees the, like, scorpion tech, and he's like, oh, you know, there, there is potential here, but I feel I could do much better. <laughs> I mean, just one? What if there was four? <laughs> and that's how you do it. And that's the thing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming, overall, I mean, it hit basically every note for me that I wanted it to. Yeah, same. I mean, I know some people have made some complaints about, you know, the suit maybe being a bit too high-tech for this first outing, or, you know, uh, Spider-Man having no spider-sense in this. I th- He did, though, didn't he? I don't think he ever used it. I don't think they ever made a big deal about him having spider-sense. He keeps getting snuck up on a bunch. Well, we see see him sort of use it in Civil War a couple of times, like to dodge some stuff that he yeah. doesn't see coming. So he has just because they don't show you him doing that thing they did in the Rami movies, where it was like a flash and whatnot. Yeah. And then you I know, think, uh, I think the director uh, uh, Watt or whatever it is, he said something to the effect of like, you know, we've seen Spider Sense in all the other movies. I wanted to go in a tech direction. I wanted to show some new shit. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I can understand. I can understand that. It's true. It's like you know we've seen the spider scent scene. You know he took that out and put in stuff we haven't seen before. And as far as the suit being too high tech, I think that plays into the story that yeah, it's literally too high tech for him. He's not ready for it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That that that. That's the reason why it's high tech. It's high tech to save him. Yeah. Because he and he can't. He doesn't understand it or anything. Yeah. He he needs that. I mean, I think that plays into the story pretty well. <laughs> Hell, they they make a character out of Karen, the AI in the spider suit. Yeah. Who's voiced by Jennifer Connelly? Yes. Who is married to the actor Paul Bettany, who plays Vision in real life? That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> that they both end up being AIs. I hope they get to talk to each other at some point. <laughs> hey, maybe because they made Jarvis Vision, maybe they'll make Karen like Joe Costa. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> that would actually be really cool. <laughs> she's got a great voice. I could totally hear her voice coming out of Joe Costa. <laughs> I'd be like, damn it, Karen, why are you trying to kill me? I thought we had a good relationship. <laughs> I heard your thoughts. Now I'm mad at you. But yeah, I mean, that that was Spider-Man Homecoming. Where where does it stand for you in the greater pantheon of Spider-Man movies? This is this is like the sixth one. 
Oh, it, it's up there. It's up there. I'd, I'd say it's probably tied with Spider-Man 2. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it too, and I also had quite the battle in my mind where I'm like, okay, this this is everything I wanted from a Marvel Spider-Man movie. It hits all these notes. It does so much stuff we've never seen before. Ah, Spider-Man 1 is like, you know, it is to like our generation what like the Christopher Reeves Superman was to the generation before us. It it was patient zero. It started all this shit that like without it we wouldn't have. It took it seriously and it had the Stan Lee cameos and it had all this other shit in it. It's hard and like no it wasn't comic book Spider-Man completely 100% accurate, but it was the movie we needed at the time. And Spider-Man 2, like you're saying, Matt, might be like one of the best superhero sequels we've ever gotten. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to pick, but yeah, it's it's definitely up there. I mean, talk to me after uh, after a couple repeated viewings, and I'll tell you. Yeah, I'd need to like maybe maybe after our commentary or something. There on you it. go. Ooh, that's gonna be a fun one. It is. That's gonna be a really good one. That's gonna be a really fun one when we eventually get around to that. So, I mean, is is that the show for this week? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was fun. Uh, it recorded for sure this time, so thank the good fuck <laughs> that that happened. <laughs> I'm really happy about that. Uh, again, you know, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, again, if you're a patron, you'll get to listen to this first early before anyone else, and you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. You'll be helping us out. You'll be getting yourself a little something. Uh, Matt, any future projects coming down the pipeline you want to talk about? Uh, not really anything at the moment. Still trying to catch up on, on comic reviews at oh, the moment, I but... Know, um. Come check out our Discord. We're going to be doing stuff with it in the near future. Probably maybe getting involved with it during our live streams, maybe. Mm. Uh, since people tend to use it with live streams, I found out. Not a bad idea. Yeah, we really need to motor on that. That's that's the plan for Comic Multiverse in the future. We want to try and deliver more live shows. Yeah, definitely. We want to try and start doing that. Matt's working on it. It's a whole thing, but it's definitely something we're working on. Ooh, we have the Comic Multiverse merch page up right now. And in fact, I think to like the end of the week, there's uh, like a coupon going around. If you write Cape Joel for the coupon in Public, you'll get like 10% off your first purchase. So that's pretty good. Awesome. Yeah, you'll get that. We got shirts. We got stickers for both me and Matt. Um, what else do we have going on? Ooh, uh, a bunch of the other shows I'm on. Uh, the Weekly Poll, The Poll, The Elseworld Exchange have all been uh, nominated for 2017 Podcast Awards. If you haven't voted for that yet, please do. And next year, I promise, I'll try and get Comic Multiverse in there. Yeah, we, we kind of just missed it this we, year. We just missed the deadline. But if you could really go and vote for any of the shows I'm on, that would be awesome. I think you get a trip to Vegas if you win, I think. I don't know. There's new people running the Podcast Awards now, so I don't know what the deal is. That'd, that'd be pretty cool. I'd like to go to Vegas. I've never been to Vegas before. That would be fun. Uh, also, what else? What else? What else? I feel there's another thing I'm desperately forgetting. Uh, no, I think that's it. I yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think that's it. I think that's everything. Oh, uh, if you haven't watched Comic Spice yet, the new show where I torture myself with hot sauce and try and talk about comics, that's out. And also, maybe by the time you listen to this, I'll have episode two out as well. It was a light week. And I'm thinking whenever there's a light week, I'm going to want to try and film one of those. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, yeah, that's it, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, tell us what you think down in the comments section below. And Matt and I will be back again next week for another show. Definitely. Catch you later. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs>